What is happening, everybody? Thank you for joining us once again on this little podcasting adventure we call Grab Life by the Controller. This week we have a very special guest. We've had him on before, and this time we get to talk about a game that we have both just recently completed. This game is a very special game to both of us to a number of us in the gaming community because of how long it took to get to us. The obstacles that we had to, not us per se, but the development team had to overcome. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's grab life by the controller. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an extreme treat tonight. We have a returning guest, his first appearance, we were talking about Crash Bandicoot. This guy is one of the inspirations for the podcast. He runs an amazing retro gaming podcast, and he's a great friend. So let's welcome back JP from JP's Retro Game Night. How are we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing amazing. Thank you for that warm introduction. That's very flattering. Well, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Uh, I'll, I'll let the listeners know right now, he just released a new episode, and he has his kids on, and they're playing games that you played when you were their age. Is that, yep. Am I saying that right? Yep, yep. So uh, what, what I did was, is um, so right now with, the, uh, with trying to get all my uh, uh, co-hosts together, um, one is uh, off and he's going to be gone for a, f- a few months and the uh, other one, it's always, you know, it's always a dance around family and, and stuff going on. And I didn't know if he, he was going to show up. So I was like, well, you know, I got to think of something to do. And, uh, I was in a conversation with, uh, my 12 year old Jackson and I was like, oh man, you know, when I was your age, I, oh, I have an idea. <laughs> so yeah, so it's uh, basically the games that I played a lot when I was each of my children's age, so 12, 9, and 6. That so, is incredible. That is seriously one of the best ideas I've heard. Well, thanks. Um, so, you know, I asked my kids, and I'm like, hey, do you guys want to be on the podcast? And, of course, you know, they're all super excited, and I was like, okay. So I gave them each the game to play, and... They uh, played each of them for a little while, and yeah, and what you see, episode 25 is what you get. Well, I enjoyed it because I enjoy sharing gaming experiences with my kids, so it really hit home uh, for me. It's one of my favorite episodes that you've done, just because of the fact that it really pulls family in and kind of teaches a gaming legacy, because gaming today is way different than it used to be uh kids nowadays have it super easy sure they they don't know the hardships that we have gone through so they could have their roblox and Fortnite. <laughs> you know um it's uh i did a i did a paper uh in one of my college classes that i i was taking and um i did it on video gaming and it was about um you know, video games aren't just, you know, mind numbing, you know, death and, and, and destruction and whatnot. But it's actually, uh, in my opinion, the natural progression of storytelling and where where we are now. You know, the stories can get so intricate and involved and, you know, graphically driven with entire orchestras behind them and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But when, you know, I was their age, all they had was, you know, text but they still seem to get the story across and make it interesting, which I think is what really holds me to, you know, and why I have so much nostalgia for the older retro systems. It's funny that you say that because I oftentimes talk about one of my favorite Nintendo games and uh, Mithril Shield called me out on Twitter saying, you should rename your podcast the I Love DuckTales podcast. (laughs) Because (laughs) I was talking about in in the, uh, wasn't the last episode, but it was the one with cheat codes. Um, 
about how the DuckTales Remastered brought in the voice actors so it could play out more of a story because you really don't have manuals anymore to fill in the blanks. You actually get huge amounts of data producing this cinematic feel in a video game where an 8-bit cartridge, you didn't have anything like that. You were lucky if you got scrolling text. And you were lucky if the scrolling text made any sense. Absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, it's yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you bring up the DuckTales remastered. It, oh my gosh, I love that game so much. Like, you know, you're always afraid of like the reboot or, you know, like the remastered Secret of Mana, you know, didn't really hold up or, you know, the guy making the mighty number nine that we would talk about didn't hold up. And so when things start getting remastered, you're like, eh, all right. But DuckTales, man, they nailed it. It fired on every cylinder. Absolutely. And the fact that you could go in and put in a cheat code and get the eight bit music. Oh, that was icing on the cake. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. Love that game. Well, now that we're talking about retro games a little bit and the games that we grew up loving, what are some of your favorite games from your childhood? Man, so from my childhood, uh, so, I, you know, the Super Mario Brothers, of course, um, always going to be there. And uh, I just, um, I got so many of my early memories tied tied to those. Um, if, you know, if people out there, you know, listen to my podcast, I'm a super Star Fox fanboy. Yes, um, you are. And I love it. If it's Star Fox, like I am all all about it. Um, I've I couldn't get on the original Metroid, uh, you know, bandwagon. But when Super Metroid came out, and I know you've been playing it on Twitch, uh, amazing game, like that really kind of set me back in my seat uh, when I first got it. Um, it was it was it was amazing. It still is. It's like really truly one of those sixteen bits that hold up. Uh, I got a lot of, uh, you know, memories of my cousins owned a Genesis. So I played a lot of Echo the Dolphin and uh, Sonic, of course. Um, you know, a lot of the major f franchises. But, you know, when, when you were talking about Super Metroid, I can always go back to that game. Always go back to that game and play it. Um, and I'm a ginormous, ginormous fan, as as you are, of the Castlevania franchise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've loved it. Um, I think we got it Castlevania from a yard sale and, uh, my older, uh, stepbrother and I, you know, he brought it home and we started playing it and man, I, I, I was hooked from there out. Would you say that you enjoy the Metroidvania genre? I do. I do. Um, so, you know, people always talk about, you know, Symphony of the Night being like, obviously the start of of that whole thing. And, uh, I, I, I love it, but I think, you know, all things considered, I just really prefer the platforming with a little extra to it. Right. So the Metrovanias now are, are, are very involved, right? There's lots of stats. There's lots of weapons. There's lots of, of, of stuff, but I think, you know, I'd side more to the super Metroid side where there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff, but it was a long involved map and there's places to go and, and explore. Uh, I've never really been a giant, a huge fan of a lot of stuff. You, you know what I mean? Because then it like, it overwhelms me a little bit. I was like, well, yeah, sometimes too much is too much. Yeah. It's like, like, how are you supposed to keep up with everything? Uh, how are you supposed to, know when you can actually benefit from using certain stuff instead of just, you know, bludgeoning something or, I mean, when you're given daggers, swords, uh, shoes, you know, all, all sorts of stuff and you're, each of them have something special that they can do or a power or, you know, they come in handy somewhere. Right. And, you know, it's, you can sell the stuff or you can keep it and you don't know if you're going to need it later. So you never sell the stuff. And you know, after yeah, you, or, or you break it down and then you find out, <laughs> Oh wait, no, I did need that. And then <laughs> exactly. you have to go grind to be able to get lucky enough to have somebody drop it again. Yep. 
Absolutely. Because you didn't realize how rare of an item it actually was. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when I play these games, uh, which I'm not opposed to the Metrovania games, uh, I still I still enjoy them. But, you know, I try not to jump on the Internet and figure out, you know, what's the best. Right. I like to, like, go through the game. And if I'm super stuck, I'm, I may just Google for some hints to get me through. But like, I don't like to read up on all that, like best weapons and best armor and stuff until I get so I beat the game. And then I can go back and be like, oh, man, I should have got that. But yeah. See, and then that's the uh, the fun part. You can always go back and try to find it. And for me, I I'm not a total completionist. But when I find a game that I really love, like, I really, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much I love Super Metroid. Such. I am kicking myself so much for, because I've said on stream, I probably rented it twice growing up. Uh I probably spent half an hour playing it each time I rented it because I didn't understand it. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't play the original Metroid at all. Okay. And so I didn't know that you know there were special missiles and bombs and stuff. So I was just like, eh, okay, this is stupid. And then I got my uh, Super Nintendo Classic, and it has Super Metroid on it. So I popped that in, thinking, ah, I should give this another shot. Mm-hmm. I still can't understand it. <laughs> and, and so like I. I've never had any experience with Metroid. I've never had any friends that played Metroid, really. Fascinating. So I, I, I couldn't ask them, you know, hey, what's going on with this? Hey, how did you get to this part? It, it was all me, and I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but I started playing it on stream, and I had two people really pop in and, and give me a lot of help. And then I, I had my Canadian brother pop in and and give me some tips when he could but uh mithril shield i uh gave him uh a nickname of mithril shard the last time i mentioned him on the podcast because i was actually in the middle of playing bloodstained on stream oh, okay and where where you know she's a a shard binder just mithril shield mithril shard it kind of just went you know, together for me, but they, along with a guy named Thornetto, he's a, a speedrunner, and watching him is, oh my gosh, it's incredible. Oh, Beating man. the game in 52 minutes. Oh, man. It, it took me just under nine hours to beat it. Yeah, it's, I don't even look at my times. <laughs> and, well, I, it, it was funny because it, it felt like 12 hours to me. And uh-huh. so... Because I was just immersed in it. Sure. And to think, you know what? I got this amount of joy nowadays from a Super Nintendo game. I'm like, yeah. that is absolutely incredible. And I've done it before, um, Link to the Past. When mm-hmm. I went through and I got every heart container, I got, you know, every little secret that you can find, upgraded boomerang, blah, blah, blah. That took me probably 20 hours easily. Wow. But that was the first game that I completed 100%. So far, about the only game. Because Metroid, <laughs> I found out, I only found 69% of the items. There's a lot of stuff in there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, that thing is insane. And I would use the scan tool to find little hidden areas and go into areas that I was not prepared for. And I mean, it was just mind altering my mind wasn't just blown it has been altered from this day forward but now now that we're talking about metroidvanias and everything why don't we talk about the game that we're actually discussing for the topic we are discussing bloodstained ritual of the night yes we are man what a great game now do you know anything about the history behind this game what I do know is, so <clears throat> when this game was first being talked about, um, it initially went, went up on a Kickstarter. And uh, from my un- understanding, uh, 
you know, Koji Igarashi was really looking, you know, to make and get back into the Castlevania deal after he got, you know, uh, pushed out and, uh, he wasn't going to do it, but then he saw, you know, mighty number nine being developed and he was like, Oh my God, you can actually do this. So he went and started a Kickstarter and it just blew up. Like people were like, Oh my God, really? And, um, you know, but what really attracted me is not only was he doing it, but he brought, uh, Michiro Yamane back to do the music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh man. So that's about as much as I know. I just know that the Kickstarter blew up that he had it and you know, he brought uh her back to do the music and yeah. So that's what I know about the history. Yeah, so Igarashi departed from Konami in 2014. Something like that. I, it was... I probably should have pulled up uh <laughs> exact dates, but I I don't pride myself on being an extremely professional podcaster. I mean, <laughs> I, I do this because it's a passion. Sure, uh, sure. But I do know, I don't know the exact date, but back in 2015, the Kickstarter uh, platform started doing fundraising for this game. Right. Five and a half million dollars was raised. Wow. Uh, it is... Well, at least the last time I looked, it was the most funded video game on the platform. Oh, wow. And it is a companion game to Curse of the Moon, uh, which came out in 2018. But it is the spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night. Uh-huh. And if you play it, you definitely get that feel. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what, you know, the publicity, all, all that stuff was like, this is going to be the, the spiritual successor to Castlevania's. And, you know, after the, you know, Lords of Shadow, you know, tried to take the God of War approach to it and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, OK. And then and then the second one, like, totally made me sad face. Um, you know, I was like, oh, man, like we can't let the Castlevania die. Right. Because it's like it's Castlevania. And but yeah, when that came around, it's like the spiritual successor with the original designer. Uh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Hey, real fast. Sure. So Mirror Fate, uh, Lords of Shadow. Are you not a fan of those? Um, I like Lords of Shadow one. Um, you know, I'm the type of guy that, you know, I can keep an open mind if they want to go in a different direction. Uh, and I did like. I did like the uh, the first one, the first Lords of Shadow. It was interesting. It's very story driven, you know, huge bosses, which are always fun. Um, you know, it got really that Shadow of the Colossus feel, and uh, I, I was, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it just the second one just seemed way too too rushed, and you know that's where they've kind of left the Castlevania series. So. It it just like the second one didn't do, do do much for me, and I was like, oh man. So yeah, but the first one I did enjoy the first one. Okay, and I I know I've said this quite a bit, and I I can't stress it enough. Like Gamer Thumb TV does a timeline for the Castlevania series. So you told me last ep episode that I, I was on to go look at it, and I watched it, and it Is was that awesome. Not just incredibly detailed that man did amazing things uh, a mixture of his gameplay along with his narration so you get the story you get the entire timeline all the games put in chronological order yeah it, it was awesome it, it was a really great series i i i listen to it at least once a month i i really do because castlevania is my all-time favorite series i suck at the games uh, I I haven't beat many of the games, but I, I absolutely love them. And I love how they keep progressing, and I don't want the series to die. And Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, you feel so much Castlevania love in it. Oh, man, it is. You know, one thing that really struck me about uh, R Ritual was it's 
you know, fairly serious, but not really. Like, there's enough tongue in cheek in there that makes you kind of be like, huh, okay. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you know, the portraits of the designers coming to uh, attack you. I'm like, well, what's this? Or the, um, uh, what's what's that what one room? I think it was named after his cat or something like that. that uh, Celeste room? Celeste room. There you go. And Which I don't understand that at all. Um, I you know, I did some looking after I beat the game and like, it doesn't really do anything. No. And apparently there's, there's four rooms that you need keys for. Yes. And the keys are a beast to find. And then the bosses in the rooms are, you know, worth the effort for finding yeah. the keys. And apparently from what I have been able to uh, decipher is those rooms were named after large backers oh very cool and and they kind of got a little bit of say on you know what happens in them that's why you know one is a carpenter one's like a slot machine there's that weird chair room that you don't figure out what's going on and there's a rumor that when there is dlc for it because there is going to be dlc because right right now if you look at the box it says it's two-player co-op there's nowhere in the game that you can find any two-player co-op right now. Right, right. Oh, that's awesome. But there's supposed to be a whole bunch of stuff coming. Mm-hmm. They, I, I read an article two days ago, actually. So that would make it Sunday. <laughs> uh, and they are they had to sign by hand 4,800 things. 4,800 pieces of memorabilia that they were sending to the uh, the Kickstarter individuals that, you know, signed up for that tier uh-huh. and, and pledged the most money to, to make this game happen. So they were, they're worried about getting, you know, fulfilling their promises to them before uh, dropping DLC. But it's going to happen because they made enough money uh from what I read to fund two different games, but we don't get two different games. Right. We get one game and DLC, but the one game that they made was so rich and vibrant. It is everything I would want in a Symphony of the Night update minus Alucard. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like, like even um, I'm thinking uh, while you were talking about, you know, a lot of their references to Castlevania that that was in there. So, you know, like a lot of the demon quests that you do, you know, defeat the bosses and get the little piece from that lady who is always yelling you to kill them all dead. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like avenge Richter, avenge Sifa, you, you know, that I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. There's subtle nods that I, to be honest, I didn't find out about that stuff until I had the game uh, 92% beat. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the gaming power-ups came into one of my streams and was helping me because I didn't have enough uh, money to buy health. And he's talking to me, well, you need some food. Go plant some corn. Go plant some rice. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. And I oh. found out that there's there's a guy that plants stuff for you. He takes half of it but gives you some. And then on the other end of that, that's where you go talk to the one of the ladies. And, I mean, there's a lady downstairs uh, by Dominique that, you know, is hungry and she wants something, but she can't think of what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then and you you see a thought bubble up above her that says pizza. <laughs> like, really? You, you can't say what it is, but you can how, think it? How do you not know what pizza is? I mean, really? Everybody knows pizza and it's damn delicious. Okay, lady? Go find your own pizza. I'm not sharing. Um, one thing that really got me too was, um, so the librarian OD, right. <clears throat> um, he's or, um, Orlock Dracul, right. Is, is his name? Well, the, the, the name Orlock, um, comes from the original, um, the silent, is it? Yeah. The silent version of Nosferatu, which, uh, I'm a huge old, old monster fan. So FW Murnau made, uh, the, original black and white, like with the guy with the long fingers and super long face and pointy ears and bald, like the really creepy black and white one. Mm-hmm. 
that's Nosferatu, and he couldn't secure the rights from Bram Stoker's uh, estate. So he said, screw it, and changed all their names. And the Dracula character in that was Orlok, Count Orlok. That's funny because I watched that in high school for Art of Film, and I never knew that. Yep. Yeah. Like, oh, I- n- nothing clicked until you just said that. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's it, it was like when when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, that's so awesome! You know, uh, if I can d- digress for just a couple of minutes about those old old flicks, <clears throat> is you had Nosferatu, and even like the Phantom of the Opera with, with Lon Chaney, right? Like those are still scary today. Like if you watch them I and you see the first un- unveiling of like the Phantom and and the, and the Count Dracula, you're like you know, you're still creeped out. But so, yeah, I just thought that was an awesome, awesome. Well, well, that's because they did everything that they could to build suspense instead of depending on technology to take care of it for them. Right. It's kind of like, you know, the old games that we play uh, versus the new stuff now. Yeah. And everything was censored back then. You know, you were only allowed to show X amount of ankle or, you know, (laughs) uh, you, you couldn't show teeth penetrating the skin, you know, on a on a vampire bite or anything. So they had to get creative. And that creativity kind of made your mind run rampant. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, okay, what's going to happen now? It was really interesting the way that it was versus how it is now because it's a lost art. Yep. Yep. Well, 100%. So, so there's a lot of really awesome bosses in, in this game. Which one do you think was like your favorite? Oh, that's a good question because I think I kind of have two. Okay. Um, I I can't remember its name right now, but it's kind of a hidden boss. I don't know if you found it. Okay. It's in the train. Uh, you in... sit down in a chair. Yeah. And you look out the window and it's kind of like the, uh, the symphony of the night where you go down underneath and you, you look out the binoculars. And you can watch, you know, uh, the very, yes. And it is this weird creature that's cursed and it comes out and if it looks at you, you die. Like in order to get all the shards, you have to find this guy. And I, I, I was fortunate enough to stumble upon it because of somebody in the stream. He accidentally let it loose and then he was totally apologetic for it, but I never would have found it on Google. I I don't like to Google. I will if I have to. But I would much rather have the experience of sitting with a friend and having a friend walk you through because that's how I grew up gaming. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love Twitch and doing like blind playthroughs on it because then you're getting that camaraderie. You're getting that experience. You know, this person's watching you play something for the first time and they're seeing your bewilderment. And so when I found I was immediately slayed, like I had my most powerful stuff. I, I didn't know that if it looks at you, you die. Like <laughs> it immediately just curses you and kills you. You, you've got to find a way to get behind it, you know, attack it from above, behind, wherever you can, that it's not going to see you. Yeah. And, like, you sit there and you watch the water, and you watch the water, and you watch the water, and you get closer to the castle or further away from the castle, depending on which way you're going. And then you cross this bridge, and then there's trees, and then you see something coming across the water. Just, like, looks like it's hauling ass at you. And then... You know, you kind of blink your eyes and it's getting a little bit closer. And then you blink your eyes again and then it's right there with the jump scare. And it scared the <laughs> piss out of me. <laughs> like I squealed like a little girl. And then, like I said, I died. It took me probably four times fighting it uh, to finally understand how to kill it. And then yeah. I, I had to fight it another four times because it wouldn't drop the shard. Oh, no. Yeah. It was hell, but it was so much fun. And then I I was severely underpowered from what mm-hmm. people tell me uh, uh. to even get to the end of the game. <laughs> I didn't grind. 
I didn't go looking for stuff. Hell, I didn't even know that you could really uh, create stuff and upgrade stuff. Uh, I mean, huh. is his name Johannes or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I talked to him. I, I knew that you could buy stuff, but I didn't really understand because I didn't play Skyrim. I limited time with Breath of the Wild. And so I didn't understand the breakdown, forging, you know, cooking, this, that, the other. I, I was playing the game like I was playing Symphony of the Night. Okay, so just just trucking through. Just trucking through. And so the final boss, uh, the game's been out for a while. I played through it. If you follow me on stream, then you're going to know that the, the, the final boss is Dominique and Bale. Yeah. And that fight was absolute hell. I was underpowered. I didn't have all the food that I should. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't even remember what inspired me to figure out the ragtag way that I beat her. But I was throwing together different spells to try to heal me and taking my time. It was a long, drawn-out fight. But, oh my gosh, it was incredible. Fighting her, and then she sucks you into a different dimension. And right. you fight this three-headed beast that she's, like, become one with. Yep. And it's this rotating circle of death. And I have never had a boss fight like that in my entire life. You know, I'll go, um, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I got two that I love. And Bale was definitely one of them. Because it's very rare that you get the holy crap type type deal, right? Yeah. When you get to that final boss. Um, I think I was I, I think I was pretty well powered. Um Dominique didn't actually give me too too much trouble. Um I got the uh uh I managed I I, th I think I did like an in, invert in the um uh in the hall of termination. It was it, yeah. It was a hall, hall termination, and then I got like the legendary book, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" Right, so I go back to see Johannes, and um, I'm, I'm I'm going through, and I had all but I only had to grind just a little bit to get the uh, oh, what's that called? Uh, oh, the Rava Valar. Yeah, the Chrysagram of this game. Yeah, the thing that just wow, it like so after I got it, like it's only like twenty damage. I'm like, well, whatever, okay, so. I just randomly put it on and I started playing with it. And I'm just cutting through people like no one's business. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So, and, and then, uh, you know, when I got to Dominique, I had a couple of X potions because I don't go into a boss fight unless I have at least two of those. And uh, so I dispatch her pretty quick, but uh, Bale, huh, Bale, Bale was something. Uh, and it definitely set, set me back. And I was just like, whoa like this is whoa <laughs> okay so i have a question for you okay you you say you dispatched her pretty quick mm -hmm. did you like find out her pattern early on or did you not because i got trashed by the the ghosts that she sends out because i thought oh i i can just hit these guys and you know Vanish them or whatever. It mm -hmm. it doesn't kill them. They will go through your attack. And I got murdered. And it took me probably three times fighting her <laughs> in order to finally get that through my freaking head. That, yeah. No, you have to do something different. Um. So I think so. So I did some grinding. Um. So I would. So I I wouldn't buy the ex potions. I w I would grind for them. Right. So I'd sit there and as, you, as soon as you come out, you know, you got those uh, bone morts. Yes. And I just put everything on that that would increase my luck and I'd gather all the the melting bones. And then I'd go into the hall, the first um, deal, and I'd go through and have the spiked armor and I'd walk through all the bats. So that'd give me my, my potions. And then I'd go find those Medusa head things that that, that drop the stone thaws. And yeah, then, the flails. Yeah, yeah, and then went to like the Oriental lab and cut down all the poison toads to get the mithridates, and I bought the holy water to make all the panseas. 
So I ground to get the EX potions and I'd always go into a, a, a boss fight, but I, I had, um, but I had the Rava Valar, I had the coronation gown and I had, I'm trying to remember, uh, shoot. I can't remember. Um, it's got a pretty fancy name, but the headgear, uh, that she had was, I looked it up later and it was like, top notch one so i went in pretty prepared so she never actually like threw the ghost at me and since i had two ex potions i just went in full went right up next to her and used the rava valar cut her and just it just was right next to her just doing my thing until she went went away seeing that is that would have been so much easier if that would have been (laughs) i I, I, I didn't grind a lot because anytime that I played it, I was on stream and I didn't want my viewers to get bored with grinding because grinding is grinding. Yeah, exactly. Nobody grinds and really enjoys it. I mean, if you're getting rare stuff, then yeah, it's it's worth it and it makes it all worthwhile for you while you're playing it. But nobody wants to see that. So I, I tried to play through as quickly as I could. And I had to adapt and create my own strategies just so I could complete stuff because I had people watching me and I didn't want people to think, "Ah, I'm not going to watch this dude again. He sucks. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm sure that happened, but. Oh, no, I get you. And, and, you know, like that's that's a great way to do it. Right. Because now you got to rely on actual skill. And, you know, I guess mine's maybe kind of sort of a cop-out version where you just go in and you're powerful enough where you can just like sit there, you know, hold your hand in your face and swipe your, uh, your, your, your arm out and actually get something done. <laughs> no, see, you've got the skill, uh, to actually play the game as they intended. so I think both of us did it the right way in our own way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the- there's no wrong way to play unless you use a cheat code. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that I like the most about this game is at least to my knowledge, in Symphony of the Night, you could get the Alucard shield. Not the Alucard, but the uh-huh. Alucard. And oh, then yeah, you yeah, could yeah. use the spell rod, and then you activate them. And then you just stick out your hand and touch them, and it basically kills them. The most <laughs> overpowered thing in any game. But it, it made killing one boss in that game <laughs> just absolutely worth it um, yeah and, and there's nothing like that in this game that i've been able to find and i've been i i have the game 99.6 percent completed very cool i have four freaking rooms that i cannot find and it is haunting me it yeah. is weighing so heavily on me <laughs> that it is just ridiculous in symphony of the night i only have it at 199% and there is 206% mm-hmm. to beat and mm-hmm. that weighs heavy on me one day one day one, you'll you'll get it one day i will i i am not giving up on either i've just taken a break so i could experience you know different retro games that i haven't had the experience to and i'm so glad i have because like i said Met- metroid and Super Metroid, games that I never really thought I would enjoy. And Super Metroid is now my number one game, <laughs> Super Nintendo. You know, it's... There, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, there is something so rewarding about being... I turn 37 next week. There is something so rewarding about being 37... And being able to cross off a game and find a new appreciation for it when you played it growing up and you didn't understand it. Right. You didn't understand the awesomeness of it, the, uh, the complex nature of the beast. And to finally kind of get it and just fall in sync with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't get any better than that. That's pretty awesome, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, when um, 
when I completed Bloodstained, I, I would tell you it's probably the first, uh, the first modern game that I have completed in a very, very, very long time. And uh, it was such uh, a satisfaction, you know, like granted, I think I'm only like 95, 98% done, but um, it was such, it was so satisfying to beat the game, you know, which is why I put that post up on social media. I'm like, thanks ego for the game. Like, like I just, I totally appreciated everything about this game. And it is just this, passion project mm -hmm. essentially that is what it is and you play the game and you can feel it i mean the backgrounds uh the fact that you have to figure out uh just like in symphony of the night that there's something controlling richter that you got to figure out you know you've got to use uh how oh, great zangetsu's blade yeah kill kill the moon that took me a while <laughs> I, I mean there there's stuff in here i mean three different endings uh, you you can end the game real easy, and I did it, and I was like, wait, that's it? Yeah. And then I was told, no, you got the worst ending you could possibly get. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense for me. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, wait, I, I beat it, because uh, Jeebel is not that hard. And no. so, when I, so when I beat him, I was like, uh, really? Like, really? So yeah, it was it was nice to know. Like I knew as soon as you know I got that ending, and it gave you the game over. Of course, you're just like, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I see what yeah. you did there. I see yep. what you did there. So, I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I've never asked this question on the podcast before. Uh oh. Do you have anything about this game that bothers you? anything any um you know if it's the oh man not really but if i had to pick something um i think we were talking earlier about i don't like a ton of items yeah and so like you know if i had more than five of one shard i'd sell it but other than that i'd keep them all right and because i didn't know what to do oh uh maybe so i didn't and maybe just the way I, I played it, but I didn't really find a use for 90% of the spells. Um, there was I a couple of them that I found. The only point of the spells is to unlock a trophy for actually doing them all. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, you know, you find a couple of them, uh, like the uh, uh, Teps Osius, the, the lightning. Right? Yes. I use use the crap out, out of that one like that was my go-to um and like the other than that you know like all the directional ones i i think you know there's just a few that are needed to progress through the game but most of them like no no so if there's anything that that bothered me was you know the um a lot of the spells were just kind of there okay <clears throat> so, Symphony of the Night is now my all-time favorite video game. Okay. Just because it was so complex. I, I loved the way that they wanted to do this huge masterpiece, but they were so restricted, so they're like, you know what, if we turn the castle upside down, then you've got a whole different place to go through. And I was really, really hoping for something like that uh, i saw one of my friends post on uh, instagram the invert spell that you do in this so my heart skipped to be i'm like yes you go through and then you end up in this inverted castle like symphony of the night and my heart was broken when i found out that no you just float on the ceiling yeah yeah, I, I got so caught up in it that I wanted more. And I mean, I know that there's DLC coming and supposedly it's supposed to be free. And so I'm excited for that. But, oh, I just wanted, wanted so much. I was honestly, I mean, a wave of accomplishment just crashed over me when I beat it. But then again, 
that wave receded, went back out, and I was like, oh, there's no more. But, you know, I guess I, I understand where, where we're coming from. Like, like that's pretty cool. Um, that, that was neat when you got to the in- inverted castle because it gave a whole new twist on what was already there. Um, but the Symphony of the Night, or I'm sorry, the Ritual of the Night castle and areas around it was massive. Like, massive. Uh, it was insanely massive. And, you know, so you didn't get that little tweak, but, I mean, there was there was a lot of game. A lot of game. And what, if you have any, was your favorite area that you could go into? Favorite area? Oh, man. You know, I really appreciated them for all of what they were. Jeez. Uh, I have to think. I think I enjoyed, um, let's see. I think I enjoyed the, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it because it's Latin, but the Livra Ex Machina area. I thought Ooh. that was pretty cool. That was a neat area. Uh, because, you know, it, it, was, it was very, uh, very old and, you know, it's just, is is what a castle and all all that kind of stuff that I would experience c- could be, but I think one of the most surprising ones and that I loved was the eight bit nightmare. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, I remember when I stumbled upon that, and it gave me chills because it is everything that I had watched my friend Dustin play when I was over at his house, not getting to play Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What's your favorite level? Uh, I really, really loved and hated the Den of the Behemoths. Interesting. I, you know, I thought that was just a twist that I didn't it, see coming. I think, um, you know, when we were talking about bosses, like my second favorite boss was definitely the boss in the Den of the Behemoths. The uh, guy with the poker chips. I don't I recall really, his name. Really like that because, uh, oh great, now I can't remember his name either. But it's a callback to uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. yeah so, that, so I have Curse of the Moon, but I actually haven't played it. So I'll be you, pretty excited to do it. You really should. Uh, I, I was lucky enough, my dear friend, Reverend Sven, came into a Ritual of the Night stream, just saw how I was enjoying it, and asked me if I'd played the first one. And I told him no, because I thought it was only on the Switch. Like, oh. I don't get into uh, the PlayStation Store very often. I get the uh, PlayStation Plus games, because they're free. Yep. And I go in for that, but I really don't go in. Unless I see that they're dropping something like the Disney Afternoon Collection and then uh, the Konami Castlevania Collection. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea that it was actually on PlayStation. So he was kind enough to hook me up with that game. Oh, and very cool. that game is everything that you want from an 8-bit Castlevania game and everything that you need in a prequel to Ritual of the Night. Very cool. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to check it out then. I, I can't recommend it enough. And it explains the uh, the multi-armed lady. Uh, I can't remember her name right now. Okay. Uh, the, the one that's kind of controlling. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to think about it and it'll come to me. Yeah, that, that's how it's going to be for me. And I mean, I could pull up the information, which I probably should. Because I, I mean, I'm on the computer, so why why should Grammary. I get the... Yes, Grammary. <laughs> yeah. Grammary. Grammary. I mean, it explains her. And at the end of that, it, it shows Grammary, and you think that it's, you know, taking over one person, and you have no idea. I mean, at the end of that, you think it's Zangetsu. Right. And so I didn't play that until after I beat 
ritual of the night. So, okay. I mean, that, that little twist was lost on me, but uh-huh. I kind of appreciate it more playing it backwards. Ah, cool. There is it... so much in that game that ties in with Ritual of the Night in ways that is just simplistic, but just makes everything that much better. Huh. I'm definitely have to go back and check it out. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And now you piqued my interest. If, if it wasn't piqued from that, you should know (laughs) that you get to play is Alfred, uh, Zengetsu, uh, Jeebel and Miriam. Very and cool. Y- you can rotate them. I mean, the the first couple levels, you you have to fight them, and, and you win. And you know, they they end up joining up w- with Miriam because everyone is fighting for the same cause. It's it's not what it seems, but then it's smoke and mirror in a way. Sure. That even makes sense. It's just beautiful. It, it is what you would expect from Dracula's Curse. Oh, man. Super excited. Ah, oh, man. I love that game, too. That's such a great game. Well, way cool, man. That's, so, that's pretty excited. I, I'm going to steal something from your podcast right now. Okay. I, I hope that's okay. Oh, that's fine. What would you rate this game? Oh, man. I, I would definitely... Oh, man, it's got to be got to be 10 out of 10s and get two papers oh. you, you want to know what i i agree with that completely <laughs> w- what's your reasoning though it's just you know it's very rare that a game you read and you get a bunch of hype on you know koji igarashi is making a game and it's going to be awesome and it's the spiritual successor you know and the the symphony of the night you know you have a, a lot to live up f- live up to but with that one you have huge shoes to fill and it's very 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 rare that a game will actually do it and ritual of the night did it like i was satisfied when i beat this game i'm like what a fantastic game the controls were good the music was amazing the plot was you know borderline cheesy but what you would expect right um it's just everything about this game was just on point and it'd be really hard for me not to not give it a 10 because i just it's man it's really just one of the few games that lived up to the potential see and i agree completely it is my favorite uh newer console game i mean i i love so many games because like i always say a good game is a good game no matter the age or the you know the console yeah but it is just beautiful you can tell it was made with passion the the story is great it's deep it's rich it's the cheesiness that you want I mean, it's no, haha, what is a man? Right, right. But, I mean, it's it's almost there in just the best way. <laughs> I, I would give it five out of five shards. Excellent. And you, you can't go wrong picking it up. Oh, no. I, I mean, for the price? No, no way. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, since you mentioned the shards, it made me chuckle as uh, my, my wife came in and she she tolerates my video game uh, obsession. She's not a fan. She doesn't like them. She thinks they're a waste of time. But she was coming in uh, to just spend some time with me. So she, she kind of sat down. And it was like right about where um, I killed the enemy and uh, Miriam got a shard for the first time. And she kind of looks at me and was like, well, that's a little inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's got a shard and it hurt. And she's like, doesn't sound like it hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? The the first time, the first time I played it and I got stuck with the shard, uh, Peaches was right next to me, and she's like, "Um, did she just have the big O?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, maybe. I don't know how it feels to get penetrated by a shard. It's a pretty big shard, too. <laughs> that is a pretty big shard. <laughs> I, I love the fact that it's another strong female character. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that 
she's in this gothic apparel. I mean, it it just sets the tone for the era that they're in. But she's all tatted up, and I absolutely love that. <laughs> I awesome. am a sucker for tattoos. I'm excited because this weekend I get to go get more tattoos. Oh, fantastic. So I, oh, that... I'm in love with this game. Oh man, it's such such a great game. And you know, just a touch note on, on the female strong character thing, right? It's becoming more more prevalent these these days, but it's always re- refreshing to see, you know, the girls keeping up with the boys when it comes to this this kind of stuff, which is awesome. See, and that's the thing that I love about the Castlevania series. I mean, they have had strong female characters. It it's not just these you know, damsels in distress. I mean, Sifa was a badass. Sifa's uh, m- one of my favorite Castlevania characters. Maria Renard is mm-hmm. a badass. I mean, yep. I, we, we discussed it on your podcast. Uh, I think it was Castlevania number three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we discussed Rondo of Blood and finding the maidens and then, you know, unlocking Maria as a, a character. Yep. She seems so simple because she's basically, I don't know if it's conjuring these animals or throwing them at you like the crazy cat lady on The Simpsons. But, <laughs> I mean, she is well qualified to use her attacks and her powers. So to be able to have that still to this day in kind of a Konami game, Konami rooted game. It's just wondrous. It's not jumping on the bandwagon. It's not, well, this is how society's going. So, you know, whatever the way the wind blows, we got to blow too. It's, they've got a legacy in place already. You know, and, you know, it's a real testament to uh, Igarashi as well. Like, you know, um, when you mentioned, like, you know, it's a very Konami esque game, well, he brought that with him. So, like, he was the Konami, right? It's the vision of one person, which is pretty awesome. Oh, heck yeah. And I can't thank him enough for this game. Uh, If there was one video game creator, producer, anybody that I would like to shake their hand, it would be him. As much as I love Legend of Zelda and Mario from Shigeru Miyamoto, this is the game that I can take my angst out on <laughs> it, it's it's a game rooted in darkness and enchantment and you know movie monsters and stuff i'm, I'm like you i love a good movie monster mm-hmm. and i mean everything in these games is ripped straight from universal movie monsters yep yep so I, I would love to shake his hand if he's listening, which I know he, he is, because why wouldn't he be? You right. Know? Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Totally. Absolutely. Thanks, Iga. You're amazing. Well, before we go, why don't we give our listeners a little bit of information about you, how they can find you, and hopefully give them a chance to listen and become a fan like I am. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, well, um, I run JP's Retro Game Night, um, you know, podcast. You can find it on wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook, uh, JP's RGN, all one word. Uh, you can, you know, see me posting some stuff. I think, uh, you know, my favorite one right now is uh, we held a little birthday party for the Dreamcast. <laughs> I love that picture. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, pretty exciting but you kind of follow us uh, you know see what we're up to see what we're doing and uh you know just uh listening to the podcast and uh in- interacting with us is definitely all we want and need so yeah you can find us pretty much anywhere you get a podcast all right so real quick question okay you started doing a little bit of streaming on twitch i did is that still a possibility for you it is totally a possibility. I'm so, um, as you fully understand, very, very busy with normal work, 
family life, you know, house upkeep, just every, everything. So, um, I, I have a crutch in, in life and that is I have too many hobbies. So, um, I would love to jump back on the stream, but I have to figure out a good, um, rhythm to be able to get on there like regularly and play. Um, the few times that I did it, loved it. It was a, a lot of fun uh, having an interaction with people stopping in, saying hi, or, you know, just talking a, a little bit about, I think I, what Star Fox was the last one that I, I did. And uh, it was great. I, I would love to go back on stream or on Twitch and, and, and stream again. I just need to find a, need to find a good, a good spot and uh, a, a rhythm uh, to be able to do it regularly. I learned more about Star Fox from your stream than I ever did from Nintendo Power or Game <laughs> Pro growing up. That's no joke. I I was intrigued. I I loved listening to you explain what you were doing and why you were doing it. Hmm. It was like a professional tutorial. It was seriously more appreciated than you could understand because I streamed Star Fox way back in the day when I first started streaming on mm -hmm. Twitch, but I was streaming from my phone. It was about four o'clock in the morning. I had <laughs> three viewers and one of them was retro gaming rock. That guy is amazing. Love he's, that guy. He's in Norway. So our times don't always sync up to get him in the stream, but he was telling me what I needed to do because once again, it's a game that I didn't get into until I had the uh, the SNES Classic. You, you know, I'd have to give a, a, a shout out to him too. Because when I did that that one stream, you know, he asked me like when it was going to happen. He's like, oh, well, I think he said something effective. I have to go to the airport or whatever. But you know what? I'll, I'll make sure I get up early and just pop in and see how things are going. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that's awesome. So thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think if I remember right, he was up at 4 o'clock in the morning just so yeah. he could check it out. And yeah. he, he was there in stream with me, uh, conversing, telling me stuff. Between you and him, it's seriously one of the best retro streams that I have ever popped into. Way cool. Way, way cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I, I know how it is. Uh, work, family, everything. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. I have had a blast tonight. I I love talking, not just video games, but Castlevania. Uh, and I, I love talking Castlevania with people who appreciate it like I do. And that would be you, and that would be the gaming power-ups. And you guys keep my passion for the series just fueled 100% and I can't thank you enough well hey I really appreciate that and you know just to throw it back at, at you man like you know there's some times where I'm trying to put that podcast together or the schedules are falling apart like you know you're kind of the glue that helps me keep going sometimes man so I really appreciate it well I'm, I'm honored that I can help you out because seriously you have been an inspiration to me. So if, if I can return the love, I am glad to do so. Well, we will call that good. And everybody, go check them out. Go go show them some love. Uh, Instagram, uh, the Twitter. Uh, find him on on Twitch. And if, if he ever gets to stream, hit that <laughs> notification button so you know that he's going live. Because it will be worth it. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. We will, uh, we will do this again. We'll we'll figure out something that we can talk about, and and just have a blast. Hey, I am always up for it, man. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Hey, thank you for taking the time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up another episode. Hope that you've enjoyed this perspective look at Bloodstained Ritual of the Night and everything that we've sprinkled in from 
Curse of the Moon to Super Metroid. Metroidvania games are incredible. They're in-depth. They, they take more to play and accomplish than you'd honestly think. The gameplay, the storyline, the way that you have to go back and forth into certain areas, like in Metroid, or Super Metroid on the SNES. It took more to do that game than I thought. And it was almost nine hours of captivating, intense experiences for me. So if you're a retro player, and that's your thing, don't be afraid to dive into the new systems and find these indie games that have retro-inspired roots. I mean, they're continuations of stories, spiritual successors. It's just an amazing experience. I love the pixelated look, but I am so grateful for the graphical enhancements of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, seriously, Metroidvania games? That's my new passion. I honestly dig them. And I'm, I'm glad that JP digs them. I'm glad that Aaron Gobrad, the gaming power-ups, every one of you who's reached out to me, either on Twitter, Instagram, you know, new followers on Twitch, I'm so glad that we all share the same passions. It's what makes this podcast doable every week knowing that I'm sharing experiences with people and then they can share their experiences with me so once again I want to thank JP from JP's Retro Game Night coming out spending some time with us it was a great conversation and I hope you guys enjoyed there's really not much left to say except for peace we out